say Victoria. I am so excited for you to join us. I'm honored just to be in your space today and, and have your insights and, and knowledge uh, to share with the audience. So welcome to, the, to Humanly Possible. It's such a pleasure to be here, Angela. I'm so excited to, to get to spread more good energy um, to our leaders and in the workplace. Like What I believe when we show up um, to work is that we're here to help. And I believe that's so powerful, uh, people who are showing up to help others. And so the more that we can support them in being more human and having more fulfillment, more grounding in their lives. That is something that I am, I'm deeply passionate about. I'm just so honored to get to be with you today and visit around that. Yeah. Yes, I, I am equally as honored. And so Victoria, tell us a little bit about yourself, just uh, your mission professionally, but also what makes you human? Yeah. So this is interesting. I've I actually want to lead with what makes me human, and it's actually tied to why I do what I do. Um, and so for me, as I'm, I'm the world's first business Reiki master, which means I, I help professionals with energy work in the, in the workplace so that they can increase their productivity and profits, specifically by managing their energy. And what got me into this um, is actually something that's, it always kind of weighs a little heavy on my heart that I never got to meet my maternal grandfather. Um, this is what inspired me to, to begin on this journey. It's, it's 11 years and counting up just professionally, let alone beforehand. But my, my mother and her two sisters would always talk about how much they love him, how, how strong-willed he was, how he was always present watching over them. If they would fight over the sink, he would just build another sink so that they would stop fighting. <laughs> and he was always did things with excellence, my maternal grandfather. And he was the top salesman at his lumber yard. Um, and he also helped with the sales teams over their district. So he was more of a district sales manager. So very like strong, beautiful man. And um, unfortunately, however, he passed away at work at 51 years old, um, dropped out of a massive heart attack, leaving my mother and her two sisters all orphaned at the time because mm -hmm. he ended up working. So he had labile blood pressure, right, which means it's, it's stress affects your blood mm -hmm. pressure. And it went through the roof him being a person of excellence, like putting all his heart and passion into it and passed away at work. And for that shaped my, my mother and her two sisters lives, my, my aunts, it, for them, their, the loss of now both their parents like affected them for the rest of their lives. And it was all mainly because, um, he had a mindset of, I've got to be the best right? and I'll show up to work and do the best job possible. He's highly competitive, but in a positive way, um, putting that above his own health though. And that's the repercussions of it. So for me, I also, my mother has labile blood pressure and my dad um, also has high BP. So I grew up 
with experiences of them being both passionate individuals, but also the experience of driving them to the hospital uh, where maybe they were too prideful, one of them, to take their blood pressure medication or they're too busy uh, to, you know, to calm down. No, we got to hit the deadline, et cetera. And this, my, the work that I do now was birthed out of this pain of, you know, I never got to meet this amazing person and I have both my parents who I love dearly um, mm. are in workplaces that aren't at all conscious of their health or, mm. and, and aren't promoting like a sense of balancing uh, the energy input as well as output. There's just that consciousness isn't there. And like, how can, how can I help? Um, and so I started with myself Mm -hmm. um, I started with working on my own anxiety um, management, my own my own blood pressure, right? my own body, my own mm -hmm. how I show up in the workplace so that at least when I go to work, back when I did mm -hmm. work for others, that I would show up in a way that was um, more conscious and supportive of my physical and emotional health throughout the day, but then over time, I started learning more about um, holistic healing as something that can nourish you for longer and deeper and even become proactive and preventative so that there's less, less needed, um, how do you say, not less to be fixed because you're, per right. you're getting to the root of the problem. Right. Yeah, proactively. And from there, I part of learning more about those holistic practices such as Reiki is practicing with and on other people, right? Of interacting with, okay, um, we're kind of like a study buddy. Um, mm -hmm. We're experiencing this, what's coming up for you? Am I doing this right? Et cetera. And the more I would interact with other people, the more they would start to be helped by the different things that I was learning uh, just organically as part of the learning process. And then from there, um, my, my book came, um, the, all the movement and the followers and all of that stuff, like that it came out of this constant journey of self-healing and sharing and cultivating that with others. Mm -hmm. And so that's what's brought me here. But for a very human reason, uh, it actually came from a grief of I want, I, I don't want my nephew's grandchild to say mm -hmm. I never got to meet my grandfather because he dropped dead at work of a massive heart attack. Like, I don't mm -hmm. want anyone else to have that experience. Um, and the more I've actually shared my story around that, um, especially in, uh, when I've spoken at, in corporations, it's funny how mm -hmm. many people will come up afterward and say, yeah, you know, my grandpa um, died too, or my, I heard about that, my husband's father, blah, 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 like mm -hmm. dropping dead at work of heart attacks, where there's these very, very, very simple things uh, that could turn the tide, yeah. Well, I, I love that story, mainly the, because it's, it's your story, and it also connects in with your life's work, uh, and isn't that just the dream, right, is to change the um change the course of 
of the bad and make it into good and, you know, generational healing um, and trauma, I think that comes along with it, right? I, I think about that often with my work, which is it is my job. We've got to break the cycle. So I love what you're doing. I love the fact that we can talk about this within the workplace mm-hmm. um, and, and tie it to the workplace because that is kind of where my background is in, is in building more human-centric workplaces. And I think there's a, for some reason, traditionally, the workplace was built more on like widgets and, and industry, right? It wasn't built on human experience. So this is such important work, I think, yeah. especially now. Ooh, I'm, especially now, because it's like, uh, I, I swear, we're, we're moving at a rate where we're all going to turn into cell phones. We're all going to turn into, like, computers. No, I don't want it. I don't want it. I want to be whole and complete. Um, but like, it's, it's so interesting that you say that, the, that this concept of the corporation or the workplace was built on machines and widgets. And so we'll take that machine mindset um, mm. and apply it to people of like, okay, you have a function. You have a function. <laughs> you got to fill your role or else the rest of the machine apparently is going to collapse. If you aren't spinning your gear, <laughs> the whole machine. Let's bring it all back, right? Bring it all back. Yeah, my gosh. Isn't yeah, it it's, it's very scary. Um, you know, I, I think to, because I, I work with a lot with, um, you know, executives and decision makers around like the culture of the company. And there's still this mental block of, okay, if you take care of your people, they're going to take care of your customers or your partners. And so I want to talk to you about leadership specifically. I mean, I think this, your work, your energy work um, is impactful to anybody who who is balancing anything in life. Um, But in particular, I think leaders, we oftentimes are, if you are a good leader, you are playing an elevated role. That's a selfless role in a way. And so what is, what is your involvement with energy work with leadership? And what are some things that are especially important for people who are leading teams, leading a movement, leading in their industry or thought leaders, what are some things to keep at top of mind to keep the balance and the energy in, in the right places? So the most powerful, positive leadership experiences I've ever had was with leaders. So for me, the one being led, I'll put myself in, um, the shoes of the people who we serve to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, the most powerful experience working with someone who is director or leading a team is someone who had the ability to listen, just really tune in. And they were open enough to stop and listen deeply. Um, they were open enough to also recognize when the rest of us, you know, the people on the team, when we were kind of disconnected, right, or not, um, not listening, not watching, they were the, they were the ground of the team, if I'm to use um, a spiritual and 
um, mm -hmm. electrical term. They, they held the space. Um, they held that stance of, we're going to stay present. We're going to monitor. Are you okay? You know, so-and-so is getting married in a couple of weeks. And that's probably why they're kind of like, they had this powerful uh, pulse uh, and presence with the humanity of the team. Whereas I know for me in my own evolving mindset at the time, my own growing mindset at the time, it's like, I just got to get stuff done. I don't understand why so-and-so is not getting things done. We need to get things done. And right, that comes from, as you said, Angela, that generational wound of mm. you have a function, you have got to be the most functional part um, rather than you're a human being. <laughs> and there's a way of caring for and being present to your humanity that mm -hmm. actually optimizes what others would call your performance. Mm. So for, for leaders, um, being, being open, remaining open to listening and being present is, a, is its own spiritual journey. Mm. This is exactly, by the way, why I'm a healer. I'm not a business coach. I'm not like some corporate consultant or something like that. Being open, like open and sensitive enough to others' backgrounds, other stories, others' um, feelings, uh, how other people express themselves, their culture, right? The um, their their artistic side, or their or if they're coming more from like a strategy or or mm -hmm. you know a numbers side, being able to speak and be that translator is the role mm -hmm. of the leader as a powerful, powerful center or ground to the entire team. And I think the more that we can have conversations in leadership around, this is gonna sound strange, but the mechanics of grounding and the mechanics mm -hmm. of listening, the more powerful our, our leaders can and will become. Because I know for me in my own um, journey as a healer, the my my own cultivation and learning of different healing techniques has been around the mechanics of healing. I've dove, I've dove into healing. You would think everybody heals. You're a human being. You're alive. You're going to heal versus diving into the mechanics of it and really unpacking it as a, mm. its own science, right, has helped me to understand so much more for myself and for supporting others. So applying that same kind of um, engineer's mindset, I would say, yes. to listening um, and, and being open is what, what I would say. And that's, that, that engineer's mindset, I would have to say, is also behind the, how I wrote my book of like, I want, I want, people when they're cultivating their ability to ground and clear their energy to understand the mechanics behind why you may need to stand up or sit down versus just stand up, sit down, tell me what to do. No, no, no. I want you to like be able to really understand the power of adjusting your position um, in the middle of your work day. Like for example, as I'm talking to you, I'm standing recording this. I could be sitting. Yeah, you are. Yes. 
Way to go. Yeah. So this it makes is a huge difference. I mean, and that's to your point, like how, I mean, you know, I've read into your work, you know, you talk about how the body actually works and how that translates, I think, into action and into um, monitoring our energy, which to your part, it's about the the steps and the, the, the rec- recognition, the awareness that something is happening. I think that's the other piece. When I do this, this happens either in myself or in other people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think another big element is, um, and I want to talk to you about this because I don't know, um, I'm sure you work with ego, <laughs> but um, letting go of ego with leadership is such I consider that such a part of healing work. You know, I, I am more of the business consultant, business coach, but I bring a lot of these elements into like managing your energy into how I work with executives and give them feedback and, and make them understand how they're being perceived. And a lot of it comes down to ego. <laughs> so tell me more about what your philosophy is on that and how that all integrates in. Yeah. So I love, I love, Oh my gosh, I love this question. I love you. I love everything right now. I'm so excited. Like, and I also, I love the ego. I do. I do. I'm, so I'm not, um, I'm not from the camp of like, kill your ego. You should be like, um, an empty jar. (laughs) Last I checked, I was a human being. Yeah. (laughs) More power to you, my friend. Work it out. And, um, (laughs) This is another reason why in, in my book, Natural Intuition Now, um, this is why I wrote a section on um, the ego is a good guy. And I, I specifically use gendered language um, to help speak to um, the reader so that they can understand based off of their own programming around gender roles, even though I, I believe in serving men, women, and trans individuals. But I call the ego as a good guy because when think of him as like your bouncer at the nightclub of your mind. And so he stands guard um, and he's looking strong and awesome. And he has the door list at the nightclub. I'm from the tri-state area. So, you know, when you go to New York and you want to go clubbing, you got like, there's the velvet... Yeah, you got to be on the list. If you're not on the door list, get out. Like, that sort of a thing. And it could be a situation if you're, like, trying to get in. And um, that's what the bouncers are for. And so we're really grateful for them because um, they pr- they're protective. But at yeah. the same time, um, without a regular energy management practice, what can happen is that you're that bouncer who you are employing, who is part of the company, who we are grateful for, his door list will never update. Mm. So that's why of like, well, you need me to give that project to Susan. I'm not. No, because versus having energy management practices that can update the bouncer of, you know, Susan's okay. It's okay to ask for help. <laughs> Your inner child is not going to be attacked right now. You're safe. You're protected by the entire team. You are so held uh, right now. Mm. And everyone is still listening. Everyone is still with you. You don't have to raise your voice in, in order to order, in order to feel hurt. Like, there's so much inner healing that it comes from energy management practices that can essentially update your in the back to the metaphor, your, your bouncer's door list 
where when it comes in that someone is asking you to kind of let your walls down, you're not expecting letting your walls down to mean I am now open to attack. Instead, Mm. letting your walls down is I am now open to receive support. Mm. I mean, you'll even see this, like, I don't know if you ever saw that. Okay, I saw when I decided to look up the definition of vulnerability. I was like, let me look this up in the dictionary. And it says, open to attack or wound. And I'm like, in the Merriam-Webster's in the Oxford. And it's like, okay, so that's what we think vulnerability is? Okay, if I want to be vulnerable in leadership, that means I'm officially open to attack. I'm not open to anything else. I'm only open to attack. So I'm going to brave heart open up like, rah, I'm going to be open to fatigue. Going into war, being a leader. Yeah, it, it, and that isn't that sad. The definition. Um, we, we've got to change it. We've got to change yes. the definition. I think that's something we got to take away from this call: is call up the dictionary, people, and say change it. Yes. It's not what yes. it needs anymore. But I love your I love your analogy of the bouncer because you're right. Ego is there to protect you, and you know I go back to kind of this idea of like our brains and how our brains work and what they were, what they ultimately, it's a very like common denominator, primal um, perspective. It's there to help you survive. Right. And Mm -hmm. so we have all these things that are, you know, emotions, physical, everything about us ultimately is, is being used to help us survive. But times have changed. You know, we're not, running from that saber-toothed tiger or, you know, whatever animal was attacking us, we're dealing with conflict and, um, you know, shitty people who work at, who work with us, who maybe not, aren't the best people or the best leaders. And so it's, to your point, it's, it's an idea of managing it and understanding and regularly resetting ourselves, I think, to make sure that we're putting our energy in the right places when it comes to ego. So I, I love that analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, inside of that um, update, if we were to speak of it in such a way of updating the ego from, let's say, prehistoric, <laughs> like caveman times, of the saber tooth time, just bring it. Well, maybe we could bring it into like uh, maybe 2,000 years ago versus prehistoric. Just get a little bit closer. But in, inside of, of that update, is actually um, just like with a computer how ironic that the fear we opened up with the fear of becoming cell phones and using um, mechanical language to illustrate this but um, just like when you update your computer inside of that update is things that can actually cause it to run faster cleaner leaner Um, you have so much more access if you're open to receiving the update now this by the way is not like you know, if (laughs) maybe you need like your update situation is unique with your device. But what I'm talking about is like, this is a metaphor for spiritual um, and mental and emotional updating. And for example, especially around receiving the update, so to speak around vulnerability of it doesn't mean the ancient definition of open to attack. It just means open I'm open. So I'm uh, as when I'm practicing vulnerable leadership, it's not because I'm going to be crying all the time or anyone's going to uh, backstab me. 
Um, but instead, it's, I'm open maybe to suggestions, open to insight, open to learning, open to growth, open to joy and surprises and delights and celebrations, um, open to my world getting even bigger and finding out there's more to love and more to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Inside of that update um, is also when you're open is something that I like to call sensitivity, but I don't mean it in the corporate demonized way of sensitivity. Of like, you need sensitivity training because this is bad. What's been going on is bad. And, oh, you're white. You need sensitivity training. Or you're a man. You need sensitivity training. With love, like I'm just sending healing to the word sensitivity. Because there's another update, not just on vulnerability, but on the word sensitivity. When you're open and sensitive, you can actually sense what's going on with your team and be able to pick up on what's being left unsaid. That's profound, intuitive leadership. That's healing leadership is where you're able to help others um, connect deeply to themselves and to one another, specifically where you're open enough to pick up on what's being left unsaid. You can connect the dots between yourself and others within Um, individuals within themselves you help people connect to their own greatness simply because you're open enough to that um, to to tune in and tap in I I, that's why I teach intuitive development is because intuitive leaders become then healing leaders in our workplace yeah and I think um, the two together you know the awareness of your own healing. Now, question for you. Do you feel like my awareness with my healing is necessary to accomplish before I can do that with others? Or can they happen simultaneously? Definitely happen simultaneously. And in fact, it's natural that it does. So the, um, the A plus perfectionista um, within every one of us says, I got to get it done. I got to figure it out. I got to get the A plus first before I help somebody else out because what if blah, blah, blah. But actually, um, well, I, I'll speak from my own personal experience. I've had the most profound healing in relationship to others wow. where um, a friend of mine, Alex Gray, is an incredible visionary artist and he just he paints like the insides of people like he he paints their anatomy using rainbow colors and he calls these paintings sacred mirrors and this whole philosophy of every person that we meet everyone is a sacred mirror of ourselves is what comes out like it his art opens that conversation around it and so to your point uh and your question angela it's of course, there's a certain amount of um, when, when you need, when you need to go within and to not have anybody else. There's a certain level of trauma and healing where, no, you just, I'm, I'm wounded versus I'm scarred. Now, when you're more into the scar around your own emotional and spiritual wounds, it's okay. Yes, the wound is there. I'm aware of it but it's actually scarred over. Now I'm ready to get out and continue deepening the healing of like, uh, how do you say, was that physical therapy where there's been scar tissue 
and we're, ah, we're moving through it so that even deeper healing and regeneration can come through because, all right, now we're going to PT and that's in, with interaction with others. So I don't want anyone to think that um, you're not allowed to be wounded because that's a recipe for disaster, um, missing out on all of the gifts of grief and um, going through clear depression or clear sadness, clear anger, like having that is so clearing. Um, we don't know where the ground is until we hit rock bottom. And so sometimes we need that. But at the same time, when you found your scar, then it's okay to go out and allow it to reflect off of others and see how can I in my relationships continue to deepen healing. And then that becomes kind of like viral healing rather than spreading wounds you spread healing mm -hmm. uh, by being open to sharing that experience I don't know did that make sense or makes complete sense and mm -hmm. I, I connect it back to vulnerability mm -hmm. right because I think in helping other people heal and helping other people with their energy work and healing work I think it's about sharing your experiences mm -hmm. and um, if you're looking for perfect you're going to be hesitant to open yourself up to sharing those experiences. So I love that connection and it makes complete sense. What about um, managing your energy? So to me, it's like, a, you know, for me to effectively work as a leader, I feel like I need to be really grounded. I need to be um, grounded in the best way possible, meaning like, composed i mean not not like i'm not talking about professional composed i mean just being able to take things a step at a time because i think when you're working with teams you like you said you're the healer you are the person who's saying you know what let's revisit that you know we don't we don't you're almost taking their trauma around perfectionism and saying let's manage this together so what are some things that are most important to managing your energy what, what are some maybe rituals or routines that leaders can think about doing to help manage their energy other than hiring you to, to help them. <laughs> yeah other than hiring me other than buying my book they absolutely should by the way but <laughs> things they can things they can take on and, and start to build into their routine initially. Oh, my goodness yes yeah so one of my favorite um sayings that i live by um and maybe uh, when, when someone with strong, um, unupdated original <laughs> ego hears it, they think, oh, you're a jerk. But for those who've received some updates, it'll start to resonate. One of my favorite sayings that I live by and that I teach um, the healers and leaders that I work with is what matters most is how you feel. Um, so this is like a, a, a central point that we emerge into all the different um, like we could go automations and tactics and behaviors and all that. Da, 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 da. But out of all of the above, what matters most is how you feel, not what Sensei Victoria says, not what your mama said, not what your kids might have said when they were angry, um, not what Cosmo says. Like, what matters most is how you feel. And as leaders, because we're at the center as well, we're the space holders, we're the healers. Um, if we don't remember to feel good, we then spread not feeling good. Mm -hmm. So right, if you're at the center, you're, you're the glue 
of the team, right? Or, or um, you're the one who's influencing everyone to stay on track in, in leadership, um, as well as on track with themselves. If you essentially don't care how you feel, if you essentially believe that I don't matter, um, or this, uh, this is frivolous, or this, this conversation. So if you, you aren't on board uh, with caring for yourself and prioritizing how you feel, then that your team is going to mirror that to you. Um, and you're going to be spreading more of that. So with that in mind, what matters most is how I feel. Then the next thing that em emerges from that, uh, if we want to implement being uh, more balanced energetically, is that, okay, I am listening to how I feel. I am monitoring and getting curious about my energy levels and how they're affected. So, okay, start tracking. Start becoming curious about your energy. What raises you up? What damps you down? Is having the news on all day while at work something that is a constant distraction, right? Is there a way that it can be crafted that protects your ability to focus while also keeps you tuned in? What does that look like? Um, is the food that you eat uh, draining you energetically, physically, or even emotionally? Is the, the food that you are eating while you're at work, are you eating marketing rather than eating food? food that fuels you of like oh you know we got to drink that pepsi because marketing um mm. nothing against pepsi you're a very successful company thank you for all of your contributions to humanity and um shouldn't really be going inside human bodies <laughs> um that's just that's a whole other podcast episode yeah that's a whole other let's just not continue down that rabbit hole but the, to support the are you eating marketing um, yes. versus are you eating food and how does that affect mm -hmm. your energy level? So that curiosity extends out of, okay, what matters most is how I feel. Well, how, how am I feeling? What is affecting how I'm feeling? And the more that this is, this is the organic process mm -hmm. um, for creating uh, behaviors that are supportive of energy is to start with you first as the healer uh, on the team. As the leader on the team, you got to start with you first. So, okay, I'm curious about, how my energy is. And so I found, mm, I actually am able to um, think more clearly when I go for a five minute walk at mm -hmm. the end of my lunch, just mm -hmm. at the end of the, I feel it. Or um, we have more insights as a team when, uh, or I'm getting more out of my team members, getting more ugh, mm. <laughs> out of my team members when they stand um, during the meetings. Like there's mm -hmm. more insights versus when they're sitting down crumpled. Um, and pinching all their meridians, to use a, a energy term. So the what needs to be done, I believe, must come out of your healing journey first as the leader versus me coming in as a consultant and top-down authoritarian saying, here's what you need to do. At 9 a.m. you need to do this. You need to change these light bulbs. You need to do this. And you've got to go. I can come in and do that. But... That would be, for me personally, going against my own beliefs um, as a healer that what matters most is how you feel, right? Instead, if I were to come in as a consultant, it would actually just be, we'd be finding out, well, how do you, how do you feel? And I'm not talking about, like, tell me what happened to you in your childhood. Right. I'm not, a, like, a, a psychotherapist or any of that mm -hmm. types of stuff. But no, I mean, like, sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. 
are you aware that you have senses? Are you aware that you have a low level burning sensation whenever you touch that device? Mm -hmm. And are you aware that that can maybe affect how you're functioning throughout the day? Right. Mm -hmm. And is that also happening to everyone else on the team? Do we need to change devices or change the environment to be more supportive of our health? So that's more of the nuts and bolts of it, whether I'm coming in and helping guide that conversation or you can just sit down and get a pen and pad of paper and do the work, like Byron Katie would say. <laughs> sit down and ask yourself, okay, so am I acting like, so to, to give you some question prompts uh, for yeah. doing this, am I acting like what matters most is how I feel? And if so... How does that affect my team? Is it positive or negative? Um, how do I feel? And go through, just start with the five senses. Sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. Is it good? Is it bad? While I'm at work, mm -hmm. how, how are we feeling? Is it, uh, are I, my eyes, by the end of the day, I just I need to come home and sit with darkness because I'm so overloaded, mm -hmm. for example. I had a client who was like that. Um, she worked yeah. in branding, just like, oh, my God. So, and changing the environment to be supportive of her, she, of course she started making more money um, and helping more people because she wasn't harming herself at work anymore. But we don't ask this question of, okay, am I acting like what matters most is how I feel? Um, knowing that that's true for everyone. Am I talking to other people is another prompt am I when I speak to people am I aware of for them what matters most is how they feel hmm. or when I'm speaking to somebody is it about how I feel and that's hmm. my interpretation of it so this is more um, I would approach this more in mindset I'd be happy to go into tactics but my spirit my intuition is really anchoring me into talking about mindset, Angela. I hope that's okay. I yes. Know. No, that that was wonderful. I love the prompts. And I think anyone listening can do a bit of a, a gut check on those things. But I think, you know, where you come in as a, um, a healer and a, a, a coach and, you know, when I think about coach, I, I do think about the accountability partner. You know, it's, it's someone who is getting the best out of you, pulling, pulling those questions, right? Because I think for, for those leaders, including myself, I've been in places where I know when I'm, I'm, I know when I'm at a place where my energy is not balanced and that took practice, but it still happens, but at least I can catch it before burnout. And, you know, uh, Sensei Victoria, I think your work is so important because I know this is very meta, you know, to a lot of people who talk, when we talk about trauma and we talk about generational healing, but we, we really do need some healing right now. And I think it, it has to come within and especially those who are leading these, these huge changes, these transformations in the world. Um, I just, I'm, I'm so excited about the work you're doing because I think it's going to make a huge difference. And especially with leadership, I mean that, I mean, we could talk about leadership all day, but you know, I, I truly believe it's changing. This next generation is, is forcing it to change. They're saying, you know what, uh, th there's no questions like this has to change. Um, so 
it was just such a pleasure talking with you and hearing your insights. The prompts were amazing. Uh, I'll make sure those are in the show notes so um, you know folks who check out this episode can maybe start some journaling, write some things down, but would highly recommend you know folks to reach out to you and, and have an accountability partner and someone to guide them through this journey. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful. You know, Angela, I, I was just reminded like a really great way to start, um, that inner accountability journey. If someone's ready for it, a friend of mine, uh, Wanda helped me, um, to create this clarity guide around opening up your own internal journey around being a better leader and using your natural intuition, your natural sensitivities to help more people. So Wanda did a great job. I was actually just speaking to her earlier today with the technology behind it. And so this is so in case someone's listening on a podcast and they're like, I want to dive deeper into this material, uh, but I don't exactly know where to start. And I didn't write down her like URL or whatever that fast. So how you do how you do it is you text the word ready to four one one three two one. So all you have to do and what it'll do it'll ask for your email and when you give the email it'll send a clarity guide that I wrote that even has more explanation, more prompts around how you can dive deeper into cultivating your relationship with being able to listen deeply and to lead your people well. So, I mean, I highly recommend it. Again, text the word ready to 411321. You can even pull it up while you're listening to this podcast in another app. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Perfect. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes too. Victoria, thank you so much. I uh, learned so much from me today. I enjoyed this conversation and just thank you for all the work you're doing. I think it's so needed right now. And uh, we'll make sure all your information is in the show notes in case folks want to reach out and learn more. Um, thank you. Thank you, Angela. I get the chills. I'm so grateful. 